Well, Pastor Stashik, I am so honored to have you as a, a guest today on um, on the podcast. I'm I'm really uh, excited to talk with you. Obviously, we've heard um, from another, a number of, of Ukrainians and hear, heard their story of how um, they escaped and and just unimaginable things. Things you know, a person like myself here in Dallas, Texas, will will probably never see. Um, you know, and, and you are seeing the, you know, the outcome of that there where you're at in Poland, um, as, uh, you know, I know you are uh, trying to help and serve as many of the guests as you can possibly serve. And, and uh, that's, that's a big, that's a big order. So, but before we dive into any of that, why don't you tell me just a little bit about yourself? How did you get in ministry and, and, um, how did you end up in, you know, doing a, a church plant there in Poland? I was a college student uh, from a Catholic background when, okay. when I ran into some people who turned out to be uh, students, you know, circled around some campus crusade missionaries working in Poland in, in those days. And uh, it's through this group of people who really stood out in the crowd <laughs> in a sense uh, that I realized um, that uh, they were having something that I always wanted to have but but did not have and that was this um, this ability to approach God as a as as a friend and someone you can really love rather than fear and and run away from or try to manipulate uh, uh, so so because of the gospel that they have presented, which, you know, when Paul says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes, it did turn out to be so for me, uh, certainly. When I understood the gospel and the kind of God it presented, it changed my approach to God because this God was worthy of love in response to his own love, unconditional mm -hmm. love. So this was something I, I never knew before, and it, and I knew it's, it was going to change my life, and it did. When I, it, it happened in the summer between my second and third year of university on a, on a summer camp that they organized. But uh, since then, I basically desired to do something to help others to, to, to learn the same thing that I, that I have learned, which so, so much impacted me. So I got involved in crew as a student. Uh, I mean, I, I'm saying crew because that's how they call themselves in the U.S. now. But they actually right. had a different name in different countries. And they they used to, you know, call themselves Campus Crusade for Christ. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it, growing up, that's how I knew them as. I knew them as Campus yeah. Crusade for Christ, and they obviously had a major global impact in. in the, the name in people. Poland was always different. And it used to be something that you could translate new life movement. <laughs> uh, okay. But now it's basically called uh, Christian Movement MT28, which basically refers to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter Matthew 28, chapter 28 <laughs> and Jesus sending uh, his disciples into the world to make disciples of the nations. Uh, so, so this is, you know, Campus Crusade or Crew today has been a big, big part of my life for years. I, I became a believer uh, 32 years ago through them, and I stayed involved with Crew since then. First three years just as a student, and then I joined when I graduated and got married. 
with a lady that was on staff with crew for six years already, <laughs> we started together to serve through this uh, particular uh, mission organization, and it, it, it happens to, the, to this day. Now, crew is not necessarily known for planting churches that much. Its, it's, it's primary goal was campus um, ministry and, and college right. students. But about 10 years ago, I think here in Eastern Europe, uh, we began to shift a little bit more towards the wor working with church planting. And uh, it coincided in a sense with my own uh, seminary education. I went to Dallas Theological Seminary for my THM. And when I came from there, I began to look at church a little differently. Uh, I would say my picture became much more broad and complex than it was while I was with Crew, which is a parachurch organization. So, so it was on my heart to, 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 to contribute something to the growth of the local church as such. But with my traveling schedule and things like that, it, it's hard to commit because, you know, starting a church, is, it's a commitment, you know. <laughs> right, right. So it took, it took some years, but eventually um, uh, my, I and my wife and her sister and her brother who also are crew missionaries here in Poland, uh, we decided that we needed to to begin to f to form a group here where we live in the suburbs of Warsaw, where there is no evangelical church. Uh, and we just started to meet at home uh, as two families and pray. And, you know, and, and over time, some other people were joining us. So we are still a very small group. There is I, there is about 20 adult people and some, some children. And we basically meet at our house or our neighbor's house or somebody's somebody else's house if if we can do that it's a house church uh, at, at least at this point we 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 are affiliated with with the Bapt with, the, with the Polish Baptist Church for legal matters but uh, our form is very very non-typical I, I I'd say uh, and or, uh, or it's very typical you 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 went Paul style you and Axe style church meeting at homes and small groups and, and sharing. So maybe, maybe so, you're running those typical church since the beginning of time. <laughs> yeah. So, so we kind of back all the way back. We went all the way back to the, you know, to the times of the apostles and how the church looked then. I, I, I'm not saying that this is the only way it should, but, but it was something that we were longing for, like deep relationships and, you know, really creating a family of people that, that come together uh, to to build up each other and and you know share life. So this is this is our our desire for this church to be, and it it, it happens to be this. And so there there is not too many of us, but we really know each other well, and we get involved in a lot of things together. Um, we have very good relationships with uh, with the Watermark Church in in Dallas. Uh, okay. Uh, from from where we have, I would say, imported their huge. And wonderful ministry that, that they call regeneration mm -hmm. uh, and we also recently started re-engage which is a, a ministry for couples uh, so we are learning from 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 the big ones <laughs> uh, but nice. when one when we find something that is really responding to the specific real need of the people that people have here we try to use it as a way to serve people both the believers and unbelievers, and also as a vehicle to for the gospel to to go to the people. Because frankly, when I compare between now and thirty years ago, when when I became a believer, the world has changed uh, here around <laughs> yes. us. Uh, yeah. uh, it's it's um, 
being religious, it's not in fashion anymore. Um, it's uh, um, it's only when people see that what you believe really make a true impact on your life that they begin to be more open to actually even listen to what you want to say. Other than that, they will just look at you very weird and uh, and and they just go their way. And it is, you know, it is true. I think it was always true in history, but it is very true that mostly those who are suffering for some reason, for one or another, that, that their attention turns to God and then right. God opens the window for them to, to be really, you know, getting to know him and, and the gospel. So that's why our ministry as a small church, it's really um, directed to, to the people's needs. And I mm -hmm. think this is part why, partly why we, when when this when this crisis with the Ukrainian refugees came up, that that it was very obvious for us that we need to be in it too, because these are real people who who have real needs and they suffer mm -hmm. and they and and they need help. And and if we are true believers and we want to really extend God's love to other people, where is the better occasion or opportunity than here now with, with all these people who are away from their home with their children, sometimes leaving their homes with just a plastic bag in their hands right. and, um, and, and staying away and, 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 and wondering whether they will be ever able to go back. Uh, so now let, that's, that's interesting. Let, let's, let's expand on that just for a second here. So obviously in Poland, um, and of course, what I'm hearing is from our media here in the United States, you know, Poland has been phenomenal in taking in many, many refugees, almost to the pain points of Poland. You're running out of supplies yourself there uh, because you're bringing it. So many people are crossing the border. When when did you know you as you guys were watching this conflict build up, you know, right. You know, I, I believe the war started on the 24th of February. Um yes. Right, you know, those those weeks leading up, when did you guys realize from another country this isn't looking good? Like something something's going to happen here. This isn't just a typical Putin saber rattling. This is serious. So honestly, to the last day, I could not believe he will do it. I was mm -hmm. observing very closely what was happening. I knew that the U.S. intelligence was really alarming, that, that, that something really bad is going to happen. But not, nobody really wanted to believe that here. Right. And uh, it, it seemed to me too absurd, too, hmm. too evil, too you know, stupid on Putin's side to, to really go out and do it and send his troops and kill people. Um, it, he was, in many ways, he was having his way while just bullying Ukraine and trying to, you know, build up this military presence. So I did not believe it. I on, on February 24th, I woke up, I opened my computer, and everything there was in red. Every page mm -hmm. I opened up was in red telling the war began, it, the invasion uh, started. And there was a, you know, a, a picture from Google Maps uh, showing all this these different places where uh, they 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 shoot their you know rocket missiles and bombard it, and there was an information coming from our own government uh, that with what is happening they expect a huge influx of refugees coming, because this is a very serious thing. Nobody really expected that uh, 
and uh, so yeah, I was I was surprised. I, I was really surprised and and horrified. And you know, on that day, I wrote. I keep sending you know email updates on our ministry to to our supporters. And on that right. on that day, I wrote an email uh, or an update that I that, that I titled "From Fear to Reality: The mm. The Russian Invasion of Ukraine" because it no longer was a fear; it became a reality and 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 a very surprising one for for us. What what was the the feeling for most people in Poland? Were they kind of in the same boat? Did they you know not believe it was going to happen? And uh, you know, everyone kind of had that same thought. What's interesting to me, really quick, to side note here, you know, when I was talking to some of the folks I was talking to yesterday, they said the same thing. They said that they didn't believe that it would happen. I mean, they saw it. it you know, they saw the the buildup happening. They really didn't until the very last minute believe that there would be an attack. And uh, and then, of course, when that attack happened, a lot of them had thought through some general ideas. Well, this is where we're going to go. This is where we're going to you know not go. But then when it became, as you just said, when fear became reality, they were in a position where they had to you know, really scramble and 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 try to get get out before you know, the danger was my was... impression. My impression is that even our own government who knew the intelligence, because I know that, that the U.S. shared with their allies what was going to happen. They also looked surprised uh, mm. uh, to me and everybody was, except maybe one of my good friends. He is a customs officer who was working on the border between Moldova and Ukraine helping as a, as a European Union mission to help them, you know, run the, 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 the border. And he told me that uh, when it started, uh, they, they got a call that they need to leave immediately going to Moldova. And while they were going to Moldova in the morning, there were already trucks coming from Moldova to Ukraine with, with the humanitarian help, which mm. means that some some governments actually did believe things will happen and they were getting ready for it uh but more most of the people that i know i, I we you know they all simply thought well this is not the first time that putin is you know uh rattling his saber and and trying to intimidate people he was doing this for so long this is just one one more case of this and it turned right. out it was not let me ask so we, we've talked about the people we talked about the government let's talk about the church for a second so what obviously as you mentioned earlier god god moves in miraculous ways even in time of trauma and drama and and um how what, what have you seen from the, the response whether it's there in poland or moldova or romania really just eastern europe in general uh what what response have you seen from the local church uh do you feel like they are stepping up and taking advantage of this opportunity to share the gospel um what, what are your thoughts was, on how the church is doing? I was, I probably shouldn't be, but I was surprised and I was amazed with how people responded. You know, within just hours of what, what happened, it was hard for me to, to, to figure out a person that I knew that was not somehow involved. Everybody mm -hmm. was getting together knowing that these things are coming now when the war started. And it's, it's both our crew ministry that began to talk with the Ukrainian uh, crew ministry to, to provide secure place for them if they need it, or the churches. I called my brother, who is a, who is a bivocational pastor west in, in, in the western part of Poland, and they already were organizing place for people to come to, to, to help them. 
I, I called my other brother who lives nearby and he was already, you know, contacting some folks, uh, uh, telling them there is a place that, that they could come. This was amazing. And it, it was, mm-hmm. uh, there, there were three things that uh, really amazed me at the beginning of this whole war. One was uh, how the people here uh, responded and especially the, the, the church, evangelical church. Uh, evangelical churches here are not big. We are a small minority in our country. It's a, it's a predominantly Roman Catholic uh, culture, uh, but they really got involved. And, and, and I could hear about it from you know, all, all directions. Uh, just recently, my, my brother-in-law went to help carry some, some sensitive load to, to the border of Ukraine. And he stopped in a church there, a small Baptist church, and when he talked with, uh, it, it's closer to the border, so they have more contact. They, uh, they, they have registered everybody that went through their church, and there was over 4,000 uh, Ukrainian wow. people that, that stayed somehow connected with their church, you know, either staying or going further or being equipped. And uh, I, that was something um, I was really very surprised. The other thing is, you know, I, I didn't mention that before, but, on 24th, the war started, and I and my wife had a trip scheduled on the 25th to the United States because mm-hmm. our daughter lives in the U.S. She studied in, in Lynchburg, Virginia, and, and she was she she's graduated, and she was moving back to and she was moving to Texas, and to, yeah. to where our friends live. And so so we promised her that we will come over to help her move, and we already had tickets and everything. So we actually did go. And we tried to shorten our stay to the necessary minimum to be back as soon as we can. But I was still meeting some people in the U.S. at that time. And uh, I was also uh, very impressed by how they responded, how, how big interest was in what was happening and how many people were asking how they can help. And many were looking for a reliable partnership to be established with someone they couldn't go themselves, but they wanted to help financially. They were praying. They were asking how things are going. And I was really um, under great impression of, of how evangelical uh, churches in the, in, in the United States uh, really were concerned about this and how they took action uh, to help. Uh, we have actually received uh, you know, some, some extra donations from, from many sources that were specifically addressed to, to this particular crisis because people wanted to help. They, they couldn't go. They couldn't be here. Sometimes it wouldn't be even very helpful if they did because right. of all the mess that is created. But right. there's a lot of things that people need. And as you mentioned, we welcomed these folks. But Poland isn't a very rich country <laughs> either. So, right. so, so the resources are limited. And, and so this response that I, I observed was really something that really touched my heart. And, uh, and I, I really, um, you know, was, was very impressed with, uh, with, with the heart that people have uh, to help in, in this, in, in this uh, great crisis that, that ensued. So, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the things that surprised me being here in Texas um, and, you know, talking day in and day out with our, our, our pastors and our partners, you know, there in Eastern Europe, uh, seeing so many nonprofits. And it's kind of weird because one would think if you're a nonprofit organization, you naturally work together. But one thing I've noticed, I work with a lot of nonprofits here in the United States. That's my, my, my 
everyday job is I, I consult with nonprofit organizations and help them grow and develop and all that good stuff. And um, they typically silo their resources a lot of times. They typically, they don't really work together all that well. They go, well, we got our thing going here. You got your thing going over there. It blew me away to see all of these nonprofits come together and so quickly, so quickly without any agenda, without any sort of, you know, you do this for me, I'll do this for you kind of thing. It was just, we just got to serve. And, and like you said, to see the church's response here, you know, I go to a, a, a large church. We go to fellowship church here in, in Dallas and, um, you know, to see uh, the immediate response that, that, that we started doing, working with Convoy of Hope and, and some of the other um, ministries that are, that are working over there. Um, it, it was, it, it truly, <laughs> I guess the best way to say it is I, I regained faith in humanity a little when I saw the fact that all of these people said, like you said, well, we can't go, but what can we do? You know, talking to Sophie yesterday, you know, she was saying, you know, just to be able to go and get a cup of coffee with your friends. It's like, I can't do that right now because my friends are all over the place just to have a dessert. She's like, just to sit down and have dessert with my friends, you know, and, and I think that I'm excited for her story to be shared because I think a lot of times people think, well, I don't have a lot to give. I just have a little to give. Well, here's this young woman asking for a cup of coffee asking for a dessert, you know, because that brings a sense of, you know, a, a sense of reality, just a, a moment of calm, something that's familiar. And, um, and so that's one of the things that I've been, I've been blown away by. So I, when, when you were talking about this, I, it just came to my mind, you know, how, when we are walking with God, when we look at the world through his eyes, it, you just cannot uh, stay without responding to it. And and even, you know, maybe I, I will have a chance to tell it a little more later, but there, there are these two ladies staying in our house, um, and they both have, you know, two kids. Their husbands are back there in, in Ukraine. And so, so we take care of them. One of them is a, is a, uh, is a hairdresser. She, so, so we will bring people to her to, you know, do a haircut and she gets a little money from, from that. And she also wants to give her part of her income that she is making to help. And so, so wow. she came and, and bring this little that she has been earning while staying with us uh, because she wants to contribute. And when we were putting together an event, for the Ukrainian children at, at the local school. You know, the local school opened, I think, three classes for Ukrainian children uh, to learn Polish, to be able to, you know, move around better here. All they do is really learn, learn Polish language at first. I mean, they can't do any, anything more. Um, so so these, these ladies that are with us, they sent their kids there too, and they helped us to go to the school and invite everybody from the school for the Easter egg hunt on 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 the Good Saturday, and we had like seventy kids, you know, running That's around awesome. in our yards, you know. And <laughs> we thought, well, this is just something fun, of fun for these kids who are away from their families. But we also got, you know, uh, Polish Ukrainian Bible for children, and Josh McDowell's uh, Modern Carpenter Modern translated Carpenter, yeah. into Ukrainian. 
and we were able to give them all these, you know, just to also, you know, respond to their spiritual needs. But in the end, when we all, when we finished that, and we were kind of talking about what happened, this lady, her name is Zhenya, she said that she was so happy that she could contribute something to this. You know, she's away. She can't do things that she normally does at her church, but she was here with us, and she was very useful to, and she was actually the one who presented the gospel when, when all, all, all the children you know, got together, we, we didn't speak Ukrainian, they didn't speak Polish, so she, Zhenya, stood up, and she was presenting the, the gospel for all these kids, and, it, and, she, and she felt so happy that she could contribute to this whole situation, being herself in need to, for help from others, so, so th this, is, this is beautiful. Yeah, it's incredibly beautiful, you know, I know that um, we've heard a couple of stories uh, you know, with, with some of our other partners, same thing, you know, um, when you're trying to feed, you know, several hundred people at one time, it takes a lot of hands to prepare that food. And so a lot of the, 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 the guests hop right in. How can I serve? How can, how can I help? You know, I don't want to put this all on, on your, you and your staff. What can we do? Um, I know that we have a, 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 a pastor outside of Bucharest. Uh, you may know pastor George, uh, you know, who's building a I heard, camp. I haven't met him personally, but I heard a lot about him, a lot good from my other friend. Uh, yes. Oh, from Richard? From Richard, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is awesome. And, you know, so he ended up with a really interesting situation. Uh, he took in um, a, a number of Nigerian medical students who were actually studying in the Ukraine. And now they're helping him build his camp for special needs children there in Bucharest. So it's just amazing how God orchestrates these, these kind of cosmic, like these, 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 you know, amazing things that only God could do, you know, and to see and hear these stories. And um, are there really quickly, are there any uh, other stories that kind of stick out in your mind of people that you've met or who have come through your home or, or, or through your church? Uh, at a certain point, when we already came back from the States and uh, um, we began to bring more people into our house, there was a family from the uh, southern part of Ukraine that came to us. And uh, the route that they did was they first went to Moldova and, and they couldn't leave there for a while. Part of it was the vaccination issues. And, mm. and then from somebody told them from Budapest, uh, they went to Bucharest. And from Bucharest, they, they flew to Warsaw, hoping that they will be able to move forward because they have family in, in uh, South Carolina or North Carolina. Okay. Um, so, uh, so, but they, they got stuck in Warsaw on, at the airport and they, they didn't have a way to go uh, anywhere. So, so some friends... Uh, you know, through France or France, they finally got to us and we, we, we invited them and they stayed with us and they were really devastated with all these obstacles that they were having on the way. But it turned out he was a retired pastor. <laughs> so, oh, wow. um, so, so, you know, we, he stayed with us here for, for a while. And uh, after a few days, because there were other Ukrainians that we really couldn't communicate well with, I mean, we don't speak Ukraine and they don't speak Polish. It's very hard to communicate. And and he began to be our arm of the spiritual care for those people who were with us. And as, as a retired pastor, he knew how to mm -hmm. talk with them. He knew the language. Uh, when we got together on, you know, in church on Sunday, uh, he, he would have a separate sermon or, or you know, a conversation for, for all these Ukrainians that were with us. And a few days after, uh, basically, 
he he was suddenly not depressed or angry. He was shining, you know, <laughs> for wow. how God was able to use him. And to, and for us, it was a huge help. You know, we took him to help him, but he was helping us to help these other people that we couldn't really minister spiritually too well because of the language barrier. Uh, so, right. and and you know, he stayed with us for an, a little over a week. And then suddenly they found a way for him to move forward. So we bought him tickets to Germany and, and he stayed there for a few days. And from there, he finally got to his family in North Carolina and he sent some picture, you know, happy that he was there. So it took oh, him nice. about a month um, uh, from, you know, fr from the time he left his home to getting to his family in the U.S., going around different places uh, in, in, in <laughs> Europe. And, and, you know, one of the things God had for him was to be help for us and others in spiritually serving, you know, those who were in need during that time. And, and you know, some of these people were really, um, you know, asking difficult questions, they, they, you know, because of all the suffering. And so I'm sure. having him and being able, him being able to communicate, it was just wonderful. He was like a gift from heaven for us to help others and to... And it helped him to, you know, to 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 understand why God kept stopping him <laughs> and not let him go that right. fast as, as he was hoping. hoping God, God had a plan there. God, God knew what he was oh, doing. Yeah. So he knew that for such a time as this, I need you here. You, you got some ministry yeah. to do. Uh, do pastors actually retire? I didn't think pastors retired. I thought you guys worked uh, pastoring till the, <laughs> the day you leave the earth, till you make it to the pearly gates. So... Well, so at least uh, functionally, he still did his work, uh, you know, for for the opportunity that came for him. Absolutely. Well, I, I'd like to first of all, you know, thank you so much again for for spending this amount of time uh, with with me this morning and just sharing from your perspective. Um, it, it's so refreshing um, to see the hand of God, the providence of God, in such a a, a, a tragic time and and to know that God is still on the throne and I, I can understand how someone who's not a believer um, who doesn't have that relationship this can be very challenging this can make you ask a lot of faith questions really quickly those of us who are believers you know it's just a constant reminder that you know God is on the throne and he's going to do miracles I tell you sometimes even us who are believers uh, have a really hard time another hit story that that it's not personally with me related, but my brother-in-law, uh, he was in touch with a missionary. He was with a Christian missionary in Ukraine who was who was drafted to the Ukrainian army. And he was sent to the Donbass area where very heavy fights are taking place. Right. And he was put in charge of a platoon of men. And, and they got in such a fire there that half of the platoon was killed and the other half was wounded. There was no healthy man left in that group. And he himself being in charge of these people, he, he was devastated and he still is. I mean, it, 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 um, it is a very hard thing um, mm -hmm. that can happen. And even for the believer to, to find, find himself in that situation of such tragedy and trauma can yeah. be very difficult. Uh, and I think we need to remember that and pray for those who are believers there as they experience all these traumatic uh, situations, that their faith is uh, is being attacked uh, severely by, by what is happening. 
Absolutely. Well, kind of in closing, one thing I'd like for you to take a moment and do um, is, would you mind, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be quiet here for a second. And would you mind just talking to the pastors here in the United States? And really what I love is how can we as a congregation thousands of miles away from Ukraine, from Poland, from Eastern Europe, how can we make a difference? What, what would you tell a pastor if, a pa you, you know, uh, said, how can I, how can we help? What would you tell that pastor? Well, first of all, I would like to ask everyone that can to, to stand in prayer for, for all of those who are here, either involved in helping or the refugees or those who stayed or relocated in Ukraine, they are undergoing a terrible time and they need our support and our prayer. And uh, I think also another way that, that a very you know, tangible help can be given is sharing basically some of the wealth that, uh, that is in the U.S. comparing with Ukraine or countries like Romania, Moldova, and Poland. I think that, I mean, I was, I was really amazed how also, you know, unbelievers began to help, but I also see how they, get, they are getting tired and there is coming a time that only those who are, you know, motivated internally and faithful, that they will stay helping. And, right. and those needs will not go away quickly. The war is still on and the suffering is tremendous. And there is so much to rebuild and recover for, for these people. So in my estimation, there will be a lot of needs in encouraging people and helping them financially or physically or humanitarily. Um, uh, and and I think it's it's the believers who have the best position because of their faithfulness and understanding uh, what true love and persistent love is. And so I wanted to encourage you, pray with your people for us, for those Ukrainians, and and just remind them that when the things go out of the media outlets, uh, you know, they, they, they are no longer on front pages. These people are still there and they still need our support and our help. And we want to be there. And, and you can join us with that uh, because the need is tremendous and it will be for a long time. That's perfect, Pastor. Well, I, uh, again, thank you and to your entire congregation and to your brother's congregation uh, and really all of the evangelical churches and, and folks there in Poland who I know are making massive sacrifices uh, to be able to help their neighbor. Uh, what greater love than one man lay down his life for his brother? What greater love is there than to reach out and, and lend that helping hand and be really be the hands of Christ? You know, uh, I just want to say thank you so much. And uh, we, you are in our prayers. Uh, I'm excited to, uh, you know, continue to share these stories out there uh, and, and let people know, like you just said, this is far from over. And just because we may not see it on the, the ticker or on the news or the, you know, websites, this is still a very real situation happening. So there may be time that it will be also possible for groups to come over and help with rebuilding, with uh, things like that. I don't think it's the time yet. It's it's still too dangerous. Uh, right. But but that's just one of the things that may may happen in in, in the future that that we could be also involved in 
in helping this way. Well, definitely keep us posted because I would love to make people aware of that once the time is right, of course, because as you said, if you go over too early, you just kind of get caught up in all of the, the, the people trying to help and, and do good. Um, so, but when obviously you're right, there's going to be a time of rebuilding and, and uh, regrowth, uh, rebirth of a nation. So, um, Pastor, thank you so much. Sean here. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider giving it a like, a follow, and a share. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, consider giving it five stars. I look forward to sharing the next story with you real soon.